little nerds and nerdettes. Junior ambassadors, boys and girls of all ages. We're nerds and uh, we're pretty proud of it. You're entering the Nerd United Nations podcast. Never apologize for being nerdy. All things geek are up for grabs. Because unnerdy people never apologize for being assholes. Now, here's your ambassadors, Melissa Nicholson and Jared Boots. All right. Welcome, nerds and nerdettes, to the Nerd United Nations podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Nicholson, ambassador for the great white north of Canada. And with me, as always, is our ambassador for the Midwest United States, Jared Boots. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing well. Can't complain. Right? We're just days away from the Stanley Cup playoffs. Spring is sprung. Mm. And I hate it already. I'm ready for fall. <laughs> no. I, I'm I'm excited about the, about the NHL playoffs, but I'm also really excited for spring and summer because up here in Canada, our spring and summer isn't isn't that long, so I take every minute of it. <laughs> let's let's think, not rush rush out of things and into fall yet. <laughs> I th- I think down here in the Midwest, spring lasts throughout two weeks, and then it's summer for about eleven goddamn months. Must be nice. No. No, not at all. <laughs> it's spring for maybe, well, probably a couple months. And then, um, I mean, it's, it's quote-unquote spring because we usually get a good, a good blizzard snowstorm last kick in the pants for winter. And then... And then we kind of get into spring and a lot of rainy days and stuff. And then basically end of June, July, August is summer. And then that's it. And then it just fades off in September and becomes fall. <laughs> it is very well, short. <laughs> welcome to the Nerd Nations podcast. The only nerdy podcast where they talk about hockey and the weather. Exactly. We're here not just to talk about the weather in the NHL. We're t- here to talk about movies that we watched once and didn't really think much of it. Kind of thought it was, eh, was alright or it was complete garbage dumpster fire. Um, but a little while later we decided, you know what, it's worth a second chance. We each have three movies that we've chosen that we initially watched for the first time, didn't so much like it, and then have since really enjoyed after that. Well, Melissa, pray tell, where did you ever find the inspiration for this so the page can get the credit it's due? Um, <laughs> no, I, I got this idea from 
um, the I Love That Movie podcast uh, Facebook page. And I'm not sure, I, I, I'm sorry to say I don't remember who posed the question, but they had um, posted that they were watching the movie Mars Attacks. And they it had initially said that they, they didn't really get into the movie at first, but now at that time they were, they were giving it that second chance that they thought it needed. So um, they had also had posed the question of, well, you know, what, what's your um, movie that you saw and gave us, gave a second chance to. And so I kind of really liked that thought because it's, and kind of ran with it. So thank you to the person who, who made that posting on there and, um, you know, for, for giving me that inspiration to create an episode around this because I thought it would be kind of an interesting chat. Yes, I agree. And for once, I think Melissa actually stumped me when it came to preparing for an episode. <laughs> Strike one for me. <laughs> Probably be the only time, but that's fine with me. <laughs> but, uh, I, I did appreciate the the idea of this episode, uh, the topic, this, and props to Melissa for thinking of it. And a uh, shout out to our good friend Lisa, who hosts I Love That Movie, who's been on the show a couple times. So uh, thank you for the inspiration for this episode, uh, anonymous Facebooker. Yeah. So Melissa, what is the first film you have written down that grew on you the more you watched it? Um, my, my first movie, it was actually really easy to come up with my, my list of films, but my first one that, that immediately came to mind was An American Werewolf in London. It was a film that I gave it a watch. I didn't really go in with really any expectations. I didn't really know what the hell I was getting myself into with it. Um, first time I watched it, I, I really wasn't crazy about it. I, I don't know why <laughs> I, I didn't really get into it. Um, but yeah, it, it really wasn't, it really wasn't my, my movie that I would thought was, Oh, this is, you know, like something to write home about, whatever. And so, um, it was, it was a little while after that, that I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a, a second chance. I'm going to give it a second viewing because I, I really felt like um, it, it deserved that. Because I, I think there, I kind of felt like there was a little more to it than what, you know, I sort of initially thought of it. And so, and I, and I think maybe I just, you know, wasn't in the mood for a werewolf movie at the time. I don't know. But seeing it a second time... Um, I absolutely loved the movie. I really enjoyed it the second time. And I've I've really loved it since then. And I've watched it several times over since then. And um it kinda it seems to get better each time I watch it. <laughs> okay. You can't nobody at home can see me right now, but I am nodding my head and having the biggest shitty eating grin in the world on my face right now. Because if you ever want to know where Melissa this cheese enigma came from <laughs> it would be for me critiquing melissa how she did not like an american world in london the first time she saw it because it was too cheesy but likes chopping mall 
because it's cheesy. And point two, Melissa, do not lie. I think a certain podcast co-host coaxed you into watching it a second time and, and whispered some words of wisdom into your ear for your second viewing of American Wolf in London. <laughs> Melissa, last daughter of Thunder Bay. The lasso compels you to tell the truth. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was, it was Jared that, that really uh, kept, like, prodding me, like, no, you need to watch this again. You need to watch this again. Watch it again. Watch it again. Maybe we'll get five it seconds this late, watch it again. And I did, and I liked it. And, of course, I got the probably a, a gif in reply saying, with just a smug face. <laughs> yeah. It's called a gif. <laughs> no. There's no such thing as a graphic illustrated file. <laughs> <laughs> but I always joke that I talk to people like, you know what? Melissa did this share a lot of American World and London stuff for not liking this movie. <laughs> Always sharing artwork and shirts and stuff. Like, oh, well, behold, she watches it a second time and she loves it. Knew it. Yep. Out of the closet into the fandom. <laughs> yes. Welcome to the wolf pack, finally. <laughs> well, thank you. Although I, although I always suspected you did like it the first time. Yeah. Uh, who can turn down a naked David Naughton? <laughs> I mean, nobody, right? Seriously. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah that that is my first uh movie that i watched the first time thought it was too cheesy silly watched it a second time because of an outside source and <laughs> and really enjoyed it after um so what what's your um first movie that you you didn't really like at first, but gave it a second chance and liked the second time. Well, first of all, I'd like to apologize to Gal Gadot for that horrible impersonation of her. I'll never do it again this episode, probably. <laughs> but uh, uh, the first film I had written down, and it was is actually the first film that popped in my head when this idea was brought to me and that was Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Mm. Um, I did enjoy Rob Zombie's first Halloween film, even though I do have my contention with the rape scene from the theatrical cut or the director's cut. Um, I don't absolutely love it. Like I love the original Halloween, but I do enjoy it. But the second one uh, being so far out in left field and surreal it really didn't quite sit well with me the first time. Like, what's with all this white horse stuff and 
Michael's showing his face a lot, or you can see Michael's face through the mask. He's just roaming the countryside and all this random stuff with what's going on with uh, Lori. But after listening to our friend uh, Tim Rooney on his podcast with his friend Mike, um, when I believe it was because they haven't released a commentary track yet for Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, but they were doing their episode of uh, One Good Scare based around Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. And the way that Michael des- the way that Mike described it um, was that it's a good, at least from the aspect of Laurie, it is a good or somewhat decent portrayal of somebody going through PTSD who had to, who survived the situation that Laurie was in in the first film. So having survived this brutal attack from all the time she'd know it was her brother. And um, also, like, I'm still not quite sure on the whole white horse and everything. That's I just chalk it up to Rob Zombie being Rob Zombie. I am a fan of his musically and theatrically. But looking at it through the aspect of Laurie being how she is, being more vulgar and how she is in this film, it makes sense. Okay, this is how she's coping with the situation she survived in the first film. Mm-hmm. And also... Something I've came to peace with is um, the original Halloween 2. Nobody likes how the reveal of Laurie and Michael being brother and sister is done. I actually kind of like how that is treated in this film. How Laurie finds out from reading Loomis's book that she is Michael's sister. Mm -hmm. I think that was handled a lot better. And um, I also... Uh, made peace with the fact that now um, how Loomis is acting in this film too, how he's arrogant and full of himself, how you look at it, I think Mike must have also said this too on Anything Goes, where and Tim, if you're listening to this episode, feel free to correct me if Mike didn't say this, but uh, how, or maybe Rob Zombie might have said it, how that fame has gone to Loomis's head from writing these books, how he's cashing in on the I believe Sherry's character is uh, is Dead Deborah Myers. He even says that they're cashing in. He's cashing in on the Myers family's pain. Mm-hmm. So that success has gone to his head to the point where he's on a talk show with uh, Weird Al Yankovic, hosted by Chris Hartwick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, having been told through a podcast that this film is like almost a depiction of somebody dealing with a post a post-traumatic event and how they would I mean, wouldn't let's face it wouldn't we all be a little messed up in the head and acting the way laurie does in this film if we survived what she survived in the first film mm-hmm. so that gave me a different outlook on this film in general mm-hmm. interesting yeah i'm sure like initially um where was i going with that Ugh. Train wreck. <laughs> Have you seen Rob Zombie's Halloween Two? I haven't. I've seen I've seen the first one, um, but I haven't seen the second one. Oh, it, it might take a viewing or two for you to get into it. It's a lot more surreal. Yeah, I, I've heard it's it's 
like from from various other people that it's it's not really the greatest, but I don't know. I kind of I I want to give it a chance. Good. And yeah, it probably will. Uh, look at it this way. You know how when Tim Burton did Batman 1989? Yep. And then he was given cart and it made a ton of money. He was given carte blanche by Warner Brothers to make Batman Returns the way he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Same, same thing. Rob Zombie's Halloween made a ton of money for Miramax. He was given carte blanche to make it make Halloween to his way. Okay. So it's very much like a Rob Zombie doing Halloween. Mm. So I, I guess that's the best analogy I can give it to you is think of Tim Burton doing Batman and Batman Returns. Okay. Yeah, I can I can roll with that. And I mean, you know, I've, you know, seeing, you know, I think I've seen most of Rob Zombie's films, so I kind of know sort of where where he's at with <laughs> with his, his uh, uh, creativity and and stuff. So, yeah, I, I I'll give it a, I'll give it a good chance, even if it means uh, a couple a couple viewings. <laughs> Yeah, and you still get good performances. Don't get me wrong; you still get good performances from Brad Dorif as Sheriff Brack and Daniel Harris and oh, I want to put your name up. Uh, Scout or Tyler, the girl played Lori Tyler Taylor Scout Crampton, or I'm sure it's in, I'm sure it's those in, in some order. Uh, <laughs> uh, you get good uh, performances. So Tyler Maine is Michael and. Um, um, I can't butcher it. Malcolm McDowell as Sam Loomis and Sherry Moon as Deborah Myers. But the only thing that they, they had to recast uh, young Michael, though, mm. just because Dag got too old. Yeah, but it's you still got the good you still got the good performances because Rob Zombie does have a good stable of actors. He does, yeah. So, but um, yeah, the best the best way I can prepare you for Halloween Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 is to think of like how difference between Batman 89 and Batman Returns okay that's good to know I'll be keeping that in mind um, when I get around to watching it <laughs> so, so what is the next film you've turned around on um the the next one was and I'm actually I'm I'm kind of throwing it throwing it back a little bit, <laughs> um, and it's the my second cho- choice of film that I, I watched initially didn't didn't like at all watched it a little while later absolutely loved um, was Star Wars: A New Hope. Really. Uh, yep. At the time, I can't remember when I when I first watched it, but I really didn't get into the movie. I didn't like it. Um, about the only thing I really liked about it was Han Solo. I thought he was like <laughs> that was that was my focus. Was like he he's like the freaking hottie of the day. Um, that's all I gave a shit about. 
And so yeah, I I didn't I didn't really care about anything else. Um, and so yeah, I, I thought it was completely stupid and a waste of time and just yeah, <laughs> I didn't have anything really nice to say about it. So give it like I gave it a little bit of time and it was a good time later and and I and I watched it for a second time and I loved it. But then I think um I, I think I kinda discovered a little bit more of my my nerdiness and I actually cared about the other characters and the story that was being told and and you know, I, I got obviously a lot more out of it and I really, really loved it. And of course I've you know, um you know, I, I love all three all three films and you know everything Star Wars since then. So, yeah. So I, I think back to the time, all the times I've heard Mark Hamill talk about it on podcasts where him and Carrie Fisher were driving by the Chinese theater and they heard the trailer for Star Wars was going to come out that day. So they asked if they could peek their heads in to see the trailer. And when Mark Hamill says that when the trailer ended, like coming to a galaxy near you, and somebody chimes out in the theater, yeah, and it's coming to late night TV about a week later. Yep. Is that you? <laughs> Pretty much. Are you secretly a time traveler? <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe I. I have no idea. <laughs> well. What really got you to, what really deep down got you to give it a second chance, give New Hope a second chance? You know, I, I think maybe I just, you know, I, I think the first time I just, you know, I, maybe I just didn't. You know, like, my, my focus was very different, and I think I, I just thought, you know what, this really needs a second chance, because I think there is... I don't know, like, the, the characters and everything, and I kind of thought, you know what, I didn't really give them the attention that they deserve. Like, I just didn't give them a second thought, and didn't really give the story a second thought, and I thought, I kind of... I kind of felt bad. I don't know. I just, I, I just thought, you know what? I'm going to give this a, a second watch because I think I'd really enjoy it. And it, you know, I, I think it looks like a, you know, from from what I saw, it's, you know, it looked like a really, you know, fun film. And if I really f- paid attention to it, I could enjoy it. And, um I think maybe I I did at first, like when I first saw it, like I, I enjoyed it, but I just chose to be like this is stupid, be complete curmudgeon about it, and so then I thought you, you know what? never, <laughs> I know right, yeah, you like Constola back then, but now you're more like Harrison Ford now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hey kid, don't get cocky. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think um, yeah. I, I just, only promised I wouldn't do a Gal Gadot impression again. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. 
Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think I just you know I, I think I, I really wanted to to like the movie and I just chose not to like it and so I just thought you know what this this really deserves a second viewing and and I you know paid a lot more attention to your story to the characters to really get to know them and I, I've loved them ever since that that time um, I think it's you know um, really really fun story and you know how it how it progresses and continues after that um is pretty amazing so so yeah i think yeah if if i if i would have <laughs> would have not been so damn curmudgeonly at the time and not had focus on other stupid things um i probably would have would have liked it the first time so yeah i definitely um I'm definitely glad I, I decided to give it a second chance, and I loved it. Absolutely love it. Did you feel the same way about the two sequels at that time, too, or was it just the first one? It was just the the first one, because it was... Because um, I, I really, like, I... I think I, I liked... Um, I remember really liking Return of the Jedi. That was one of my favorites. Like, I really liked it. I don't know, it was just... Um, you know, I remember really liking those ones, but it was, like, the first time, I think, for me, seeing, like, a sci-fi film. So, like, what am I watching? There's these aliens, these characters, there's spaceships. Like, what is going on? Like, I think it just kind of... <laughs> you know, kind of took a minute to kind of like wrap my brain around everything that was going on, and okay, get a sense of what's going on. Okay, I sort of know what's happening in the first one. Okay, let's continue to the second one, and I know what's what's going on, and um, I know these characters now. So I really enjoyed the, the the next two, and then Jedi was one of my favorites. I know it gets a lot of heat and whatever. <laughs> but that one was I remember being one of my absolute favorites for a long time awesome welcome back to the force <laughs> so what's what's um, what's your second film uh, well it's a film we talked about back on our episode we did with Lisa our first episode with Lisa when we talked about Tim Burton and I'm trying to remember which question I answered it for. I want to say it was what film gets better every time you see it. And um, that answer, uh, the next film I want to mention is uh, Ed Wood. Mm. Um, I've been a huge Tim Burton fan for almost as long as I can remember. Probably since the first time I saw The Nightmare for Christmas when I was a little kid. Or even Batman or Batman Returns. Um but I didn't see Ed Wood until probably my mid to early twenties. And I think maybe the reason why I didn't like it back then is because when I've seen all these Tim Burton movies like Nightmare and his Batman films and Edward Scissorhands, Corpse Bride, that it's such a fanciful world that he creates. 
such a dreamscape of like make believe and all this stuff that he set this dream world that he sets up mm-hmm. that maybe just it being a biopic kind of I wouldn't say rub me the wrong way it just didn't grab me the way that the rest of his films did at that point because it just didn't seem like the rest of his films because if you ever think of a director that could be essentially pigeonholed into a style Tim Burton is like one of those directors who has a style to mm-hmm. him while he does very different films at the end of the day he still has that style um, but what made me start to like it more is um, it's more just the performances in it like I don't know. I know of Ed Wood prior to this film in the low budget middle films that he would make, but the performances of Johnny Depp of, uh, why why am I blanking on names today? Of Bill Murray, Jeff Jones, um, Martin Lando was Bella Lugosi. That was the name I was tripping on. I couldn't think of it. (laughs) But just all their performances, and I think Martin Landau's performance as Bela Lugosi is probably one of the stand-up performances of the whole film. And it just like the more I watch it, like okay, this is pretty good. It's got the it's it's almost like Tim Burton doing more of a comedy, mm. but doing it in his style. So like I dig the black and white aesthetic of it. Um, I dig some of the humor that's in it, and I know it's. For the most part, it's largely. Mm, what's the word I'm thinking of here? It's uh, um, not not that another thing is historically accurate that's taking place in the film. Yeah. But I still find it so damn entertaining. The more and more I watch it, and I think a lot of us do the performances of, of Johnny Depp and uh, Martin Landau, those two specifically. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one where. I watched it the one time and it's like, uh, okay. I, when I was trying to complete the whole Johnny Depp or Tim Burton watch, I'm like, well, okay. I check it off the list. I've seen it. But now it's gotten to the point where we, when we did research for the episode, I loved watching it. And I'd, I think I'd watched it another time or two beforehand. Cause I have owned it for some time now, mm-hmm. but, um, it became one of those films like, okay, you know what? I'll pop in Ed Wood. Why not? It's, it's worth the random, I got, I got an hour and a half to kill. Watch Edward, and mm-hmm. I find that now, even watching scenes like I mentioned in uh, that episode with Lisa, like one of my favorite scenes is Bill Murray when they're in the church after Bella Lugosi passes away, and they turn to the guy to take his place. He goes, "Let me hear you call." Uh, what was he called? "Let me hear you call Carl off a cocksucker." Like <laughs> that line just cracks me up it breaks me in half every time i I fucking hear it (laughs) and it's just that performance by bill murray that's it sells that he's playing it so straight and earnestly Mm -hmm. so it's i really think it's performances of the cast that really bring it around and tim burton did such a wonderful job with it too and they say that it is like a almost like a mirrored uh, thing but with him and Vincent Price, uh, Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood, or Ed Wood looked up to Bella Lugosi, Tim Burton looked up to uh, Vincent Price. So you, you see that kind of uh, it had to be like a passion project for Tim, I think, at the time, too. Yeah, so but I'd say it's not like all Tim Burton's, it's not like 
all of Tim Burton's other movies, but it's still very much a Tim Burton movie. And mm-hmm. the performances sell me on it and want me to make get me to watch it more and more. And I think it really is one of Tim Burton's most underrated films mm-hmm. of his little catalog. Yeah. So for you, it was it was more just you know watching it later on, having a little bit more appreciation for it, like knowing. That's- Knowing what the movie is, and then okay, seeing it the second time, and just having a little more appreciation for, like you said, like performances and how the movie was done, and and things like that. Yeah, essentially, because the first time I watched it, like, well, watched it, crossed it off the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't really give it much thought afterwards. Yep, it's a Tim Burton film. Check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I don't I cannot remember when I the last time I went back and watched it I might have just bought it just to complete the the for the completionist aspect of myself that I have but I I wish I could recall when my mind did turn around on it and why I felt like I needed to own this film who knows maybe me being young and naive is a whole it's a Johnny Depp Tim Burton collaboration, so I need to own it. Yeah. <laughs> but somewhere along the line, I did my mind did flip on it, and I I really enjoy it now. It's it's not my favorite Tim Burton film, but it I do enjoy it. And then there's not there's not there's honestly isn't a Tim Burton film I don't not enjoy watching. So mm-hmm. exactly, it it has been actually. I found that movie recently, Ed Wood, on um, uh, what Disney Plus of all things, because <laughs> <laughs> they they recently added a, a new channel thing or something. Like there was no extra payment or anything they had to do. It was just an add-on thing, and so where you get like these other films and stuff. Like there aren't Disney films or whatever, and. Ed Wood was in that listing, and I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, it's, I have not seen that movie in a really long time. Um, I remember really enjoying it the first time I saw it. I thought it was um, just a really fun, kooky film. And so I, I definitely, I, I, I really want to watch it again. I haven't had the chance to, to watch it again yet, but um, I definitely want to. Uh, it's Johnny Depp really sells it too. Like another random line I love is when he's on the phone with the producer. I think it's probably when he's talking about Glenn or Glenda, and he goes, "What's that? It's the worst film. You say it's the worst film you've ever seen. Don't worry, the next one will be better." <laughs> yeah. Johnny Johnny Depp never phones it in for a Tim Burton piece. No. Never. Uh, absolutely not. He, I mean, him and, you know, the other sort of regulars that he has are just always, you know, so good. They, they really, you know, give their, you know, their, their 110% and more to, to their roles. And, you know, it's, that's really awesome. You know, but it shows they obviously like they had you know respect for the story, respect for the the man who's directing it and like wrote it, everything like that, you know. So it, it shows when you know actors really give their all to it. 
And it's nice to see that that film is getting a lot more love from other people now, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think... You know, it's funny with films, you just... You know, it's it's a different different mindset. Like, you... You know, something you, you watch, you know, once, you know, a long time ago, and then you, you give it that watch again. And maybe it's... I don't know. Is it is it a, like a nostalgia thing? I don't know. Or you just like you have a memory of, you know, kind of go back to when you first saw a film and maybe get a little bit more enjoy enjoyment out of it that that second time or however many times you may see it. Um, you know, maybe it's maybe it's partly that, but um, you know, it's it's really nice to see when you know people are giving a lot of love to movies that weren't necessarily you know, loved at first or, you know, sort of pushed off to the side a little bit. And it's nice when, you know, these films, they get that little bit more love and a little bit more, you know, spotlight on them. Uh, So what is another film that you had uh, came around on? Well... Um, I had I had actually a few a few choices, but um, ultimately um, I had to pick one, and and I ended up picking a more recent film. (laughs) Um, and the the film that I watched the first time thought it was kind of meh. Maybe I had too high expectations of it. Um, I don't know, but I chose the 2016 Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think for me, I'm like I'm such a huge fan of the original films, like the first two, the the two movies. I really love. I absolutely think they're just a freaking blast, and I've I don't know how many times I've I've watched them up to this point. Like it's over the years, I've just you know it's it's always been a movie that I've you know thrown on and, and enjoyed every time. And um, even now, it'll be something that I'll just kind of like throw on and I'll watch and and you know love every minute of. And so seeing. This I was kind of when hearing about this 2016 film of Ghostbusters and it being like all female and everything, I was like, oh really? Like I was really skeptical of it. I really was not sold on it. I did not have any interest in seeing it, and I never did see it. Um, <laughs> I just no, I didn't want anything to do with it because I just I, I think I was just like so stuck in just loving the, the other films. And so finally I decided, you know what, I'm going to give this movie a chance. Um, and I don't know, maybe I had just way too high expectations of it, or I thought, you know, Oh, it was just going to be some stupid kind of remakey film, whatever. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really... I watched it all the way through. I never gave up on it. Um, first time seeing it. 
I wasn't like, yay, I'm, I'm really impressed by this, whatever. Um, <laughs> it wasn't something that I was like totally crazy about. And I'm sure somebody's probably laughing about it right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I wasn't crazy about it. You could it. say that. <laughs> I knew it. Um, so yeah, I, I really, it, it wasn't something that I was, I genuinely was like, you know, crazy about or anything. So, but then I decided, you know what, no, I'm gonna, you know, give it, give it that second chance. Cause I think it, it deserved that second chance and I was willing to to do that so gave it another watch and <laughs> several watches later i think you i think people are going to figure out that yeah i really enjoyed the film the second time and several times over after that um i thought it was a fun film and i realized that it wasn't they weren't trying to retell the original story they weren't trying to you know have the actresses imitate you know, what was done before. Um, they, it really was like, it's sort of its own standalone film. And it very different from, you know, the, the other films. And, and it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, it's a fun story. And I, you know, it's, it's definitely very different from, from the other th- ones. And, yeah, I like how it's, you know, it's its own, like I said, its own standalone film that, you know, they weren't trying to, to retell anything, whatever, reboot anything. It was just, let's see kind of the question of well, what would it be if, you know, it was all like a, a all female group of, you know, very different people coming together, creating this group and, you know, how would they work? What would happen? Things like that. And um yeah i think it's i think it's a upon second viewing i think it's a it was a lot of fun and it's a, a good movie so <laughs> shit you had your second and third viewing in the same weekend shut after up. watching it <laughs> shut up and it, and the second viewing may or may not have been influenced by an outside source named Jared. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty damn sure the first viewing had an uh, viewing uh, had influence from an outside source. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I ain't taking credit for a second view. I'm taking credit for the first time you saw that film. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. You were you were the one that was you know I, I remember you you really liked the the film and and really enjoyed it and and you were like well you should you should watch it you should watch it and you know it's you know it's a really good fun film and so I was like okay I'll I'll watch it. <laughs> that's the the main describer is it's fun. Um, mm Hmm. I was just talking to my friend Victoria about this not that long ago. I was recording who's going to be appearing on an upcoming episode about how fun that film is. And it's not a remake. It's not a shot for shot remake of the original film at all, which is probably gets a lot of people to roll their eyes to that thought. And um, 
is it a perfect film? No, it's not. But I'd say the one big strike against this film is uh, the villain's a little weak. That's really about it. That's the biggest weakness, I think. And that's a pretty common consensus, I think, is the villain, the main villain is weak compared to Zool and compared to uh, Vigo the Carpathian um, from the films previous. But it's such a good film, and it's so fun. And they cast it with some really funny actresses, too. And even Chris Hemsworth, who I didn't think could... Like, yeah, he gets some chuckles as Thor in the Marvel movies, but he... Him and Kate McKinnon stole the show every time I saw those two on screen. And I saw this film in the theater and, and really dug it. And I'm just a huge of a Ghostbusters fan as Melissa is. And I enjoyed this for its own merits, not to compare it to the other ones. And I this is like one of the films, few films you see me beating the drum for. Like, oh, you got to see this. You got to see this. You oh, don't want to see it. And like <laughs> so many people who see see this film or like it's good like they might say it's great it's not oscar worthy by any means necessary but it is it's a very fun enjoyable film once people watch it and like well so it's good like uh, yeah of course it's not as good as the original mm. nothing's ever gonna be as good as the original ghostbusters film is exactly but it's it's you know it it I think it it kind of, I think it 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 holds its own fairly well. I mean, I think you know part of it too. Like my my first time seeing it too. Like yeah, I, I really felt like the villain was very weak. Like it was a little too, a little too easy for them to deal with. You know, it was he didn't really offer that challenge. But I mean, yeah, it is what it is. You you kind of, you know. You kind of you kind of let that go and just enjoy the movie for what it is, and it's just a, um, just a fun, entertaining film, and th- that's kind of what you have to have to take it for, and and you know see the, see the entertainment value of it, and yeah, like yeah, Kate McKinnon and you know, Chris Hemsworth are just amazing, <laughs> and like just so damn funny, and you know, um. You know, Chris Hemsworth really plays the stupid, sort of naive airhead character very well. Like he, he, he made it believable, and it was just he was so he played it so honestly. Like, you know, <laughs> just some of the stuff he comes up with, and the the character who he is, and and you know, Kate McKinnon's character, how kooky and kind of crazy she is, and um, yeah. Just yeah, a, it's it's a, a very fun film. She plays a very good one, and she's one of the things I praise about the film is she's such a polar opposite to Egon. Yeah, who she's essentially supposed to be. Uh, Harold Ramis played it very straight, very I don't want to say strict or stern, but he or cold. A little more, a little more seriously, but still serious with some with heart. If that makes sense, like there's still he still had a bit of bit of humor about him, Um, 
it still showed that he he has a caring bone in his body. Like he's not he he's definitely not a cold hearted person. But he, 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 he's he playing just, he's playing he's playing the straight man for yeah. Aykroyd and Murray to bounce off of. Yeah, because I think I think that was I think that was sort of needed because if you had too many of like say you, like you had a room full of Bill Murray, it would be nuts. <laughs> So you kind of have to have that balance of, okay, you've got kind of the neutral sort of character who's going to, you know, the other characters can bounce off of, but it's not going to be too much, right? Like, it's 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 not going to be, like, over the top. It's going to kind of ground the characters, but also, you know, highlight the other characters, too, because of who they are. So, yeah, I, I think, you know... Um, yeah, but then, like, you know, Kate McKinnon playing the character, like, she's just, you know, I, I liked how, how, you know, a little bit more kooky she was and just a little bit more open. And then you also see, you know, her, um, you know, like making some of the stuff and then also testing it out and everything. Like, you see a little bit more stuff from her, um, because you don't really see that in the other films, but. You know. Yeah, they just, they just, they just, they just get, they just get the hook and ladder, and all of a sudden the stuff is just there. Exactly. Like Egon, Egon has a plan for it, but it's just there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be another. That'd probably be another, another downside to the female Ghostbusters. Isn't it? There isn't really a straight man of this in this. Because uh, if it's a, it's all kooky bouncing off a of kooky, there isn't really a straight man character in this one to sell the jokes. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe I mean, Melissa McCarthy more than the others. Yeah, but she still has her moments to be funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the whole with the whole Roman or Roman being the villain. It's it's really a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Like if Paul Feig would have gone and done the Zool and Gozer and all that stuff, he would have been taken to task for it. Or even if and even if he he didn't do it now, and those all the villains probably the worst part of the whole film. Yeah, it was really a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. I like how Zool's teased in the post credits, but or mm-hmm. mid credit scene, but. Yeah, but you know, I, I don't like. Yeah, I agree that you know the, the villain is kind of the weak point of the film. But you know what? It really, you know, thinking about it, it really doesn't. You know, you just you just take it with a grain of salt and just you know, take it for what it is, enjoy it for what it is, and you know. Um, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of value in the in the film. So, um, you know, it, it's it's you know the the word we keep saying it's it's just it's pure fun, and and that's just what you you watch it for is just to have fun and and be entertained for you know an hour and a half, whatever. It's if you want to see Kristen take a break from being Thor and doing something fun. I almost had the same reaction when I saw Chris Evans and Knives Out. It's nice to see him in something different than playing Captain America. Yeah. Doing something fun. 
you know. It's almost like, you know, you, you like his character, Captain America, but it's, it's you know, and even Thor, too. And it's just, it's refreshing to see. That's that's the thing I was, where I was kind of looking for. Refreshing to see, uh, you know, actors in a different element, in a different environment, and, and do well in it. You know, because sometimes in a completely different environment, it may not go so well. But I feel like, yeah, like Chris Evans and, and Knives Out and... And that, like, it just, it it works. He he pulled that off. And same with with Chris Hemsworth. Like, he was, he played his character very well. And and you know, um, clearly showed that he was having fun with the character. Um, so, you know, it was really cool to see. Awesome. And another still. Three years later, four years later, now there's oh, well, five years later now there's still holdouts on that. I haven't seen it, and it's like nobody is asking you to forget '84 Ghostbusters. Nobody's telling you that this film is better than the original Ghostbusters. Nothing is ever gonna. The original Ghostbusters film, lightning in a bottle, hard to hard to duplicate, hard to recreate. And but nobody's saying like you don't need to act like this one doesn't exist. This one isn't gonna. This one isn't gonna erase the memories you have with the original Ghostbusters. Just see it because it's fun. Mm-hmm. It is fun. It really is. It's a lot of fun. Definitely, definitely worth a watch. So, what's your um your third film? Well. I almost went the route you did in picking a comedy, but I think with comedy is subjective, Murray, because I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna go with a uh, Super Troopers. Cause that was a film I originally didn't like the first time I saw it, but I I grew on it later. But like I said, I think I think it's hard to pick comedy for this because comedy is subjective. Not everybody has the same sense of humor, but uh. The one, the last one I picked is even more recent than your recent one, and that would be Wonder Woman 1984. Hmm. And the first time I saw it on Christmas Day, I think I've been, I think I've been well documented on this show and talking to friends that I didn't hate it hmm. the first time I saw it. I enjoyed it, but I also did not know how I felt about it after I watched it. I really loved Kristen Wiig. I really loved Pedro Pascal. But I just didn't know what to think of it. Mm. And then after listening to podcasts and talking to our I think mostly talking to our friend Philip, I texted him at night and he goes, I need to watch it again. And that's what I did too. And I forgive me, I do I cannot quote the source I heard it from, but I heard someone say it's not as good as the first one. I want to say it was Guy. I want to say it was our friend Guy. That said, it's still good. It's just not, it's not as good as the first one, but it's still an enjoyable film. So mm-hmm. with that mindset, I went in. I watched it with that mindset knowing it's not as good as the first one, but still good. And I enjoyed it so much more in my second watch through. It was so damn good. And like we said with Ghostbusters, first Wonder Woman film 
is like lightning in a bottle too when it comes to superhero movies like, it is so damn good mm-hmm. so that's gonna be a high bar to set for the second one and you know, I, I theorize that people like well maybe the the six delays that Wonder Woman 1984 had prior to its release might have had something to do with it or I don't know but yeah. first time I saw it I go I know I enjoyed it but I also just did not know what to think about it but now that I've seen it more I enjoy it so much more and we've talked numerous times about Crystal Wick's performance as Barbara Minerva the Cheetah mm-hmm. it's definitely it starts off being a typical Kristen Wig role or she's being that kind of goofy, awkward person. But as soon as she rips the door off the fridge, Kristen Wiig is gone. Like the typical Kristen Wiig character is gone. And it's like Kristen Wiig acting. Mm-hmm. And something different for her that we've seen. Yeah. So I believe uh, the Skeleton Sisters or the Skeleton Twins gets recommended to me a lot to check out. So it's not like a typical Kristen Wiig role, mm. but um, yeah. But just going into, going into the mindset of Wonder Woman 1984 not being as good as the one for 2017, but still being a good movie made it that much more enjoyable for me. Mm. Yeah, I like I, I surprisingly I I loved it. First round seeing it, um, you know, it, I can I can definitely agree. It it isn't as it's it's not as good as the first one, absolutely. Um, but I think it still holds its own, and I really enjoy that it's not. You know, I've seen so many you know um, movies where they just kind of retell the first story over again. And it's like, okay, you did this already. And so with this one, I really love that it was a different film completely. That it was, it continued on from sort of where we left off from the other film, but then it, it moved into a different story and different characters you meet and everything. And, and um, you know, I, I really love that. It was, it was, refreshing to see that it was a different film um that they were you know continuing on sort of the story but then also okay there's new characters to be introduced and so they're going to tell that story and um i thought it was it was great i thought it was a lot of fun and um i i didn't even i didn't go in with any expectations of it i just i just went in watched it and and loved it for for what it was and and what really stood out for me was, yeah, was Kristen Wiig, who, yeah, she did kind of play that, the character that she always sort of plays. Um, but I, I connected with that character at first. I really did. I've, I mean, she, it's sort of the same character that she's played over and over again, but I don't really connect with those characters. But this one I, I really related to and, and really enjoyed. And then when she you know, changes and it sort of, you know, yeah, rips the, <laughs> the door, the fridge door off. And it's like, Oh, she's, yeah, that character's gone. And it's somebody else now. And, um, that's when I really, you know, began to love the movie, you know, even more. And, um, yeah, it's, it's so good. 
I, I really I really enjoyed it from the first time. But I also know that it's not as good as the first, but that's kind of it's kind of your normal with with sequels. They're not always as good as the first, but you know, you you enjoy it anyway for what it is. Yeah, I agree. And I I want to thank you. I want to thank Philip Barker and Guy Milks, friends of the show, uh, for whether they knew it or not, for helping influence my uh, outlook on Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, I probably butchered how Guy phrased it, but I think I pretty much paraphrased it pr- uh, correctly about how it's not as going into it knowing it's not as good as the first one mm-hmm. helps. And, and like I said, that's the, when I got home Christmas night and started watching it again. I started enjoying it more than the first time I watched it earlier that day. I mm-hmm. I found it real enjoyable. Gal's still dazzling as Diana. Chris Pine was still great as Steve Trevor. I just I I don't know why. I just could not point my finger on why I didn't like it as much as the first one. And when you look back and see how great of a how great the first film is. It's like a Ghostbusters. Like the first Ghostbusters is so awesome. You watch Ghostbusters two; it's not as good as the first one, but it's still really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I, I think it really helps that you know you you go within the mindset that you know it's not going to be as good as the first, but you you know you you enjoy it for what it is that. You know, seeing um, seeing a sequel and and exactly like you know it's yeah like you said like Ghostbusters yeah it's you know the the first film is always going to be the best one but I've watched the second film more times I think than the first because I I really enjoy the second one um, but like with with Wonder Woman yeah the the first one is such a strong story and you know performances and everything and then this one just I think, too, because it was a little bit more... The first one was a little bit more serious. I mean, there was, like, you know, humor and stuff in it, but it was a little bit more of a serious story, a little bit darker tone. And so with this Wonder Woman 1984, totally different tone. Like, it's more bright. It's a little bit more just... There's a lot more humor in it. Um, It's just completely a different film and maybe that's maybe that's why first time was sort of like what what am i watching um or how like you didn't know how you felt about it because it was such a different look different tone sort of different story um and kind of taking it while still being i guess serious too but having a little bit more fun with with this film than a little bit more lighthearted than the other one. Well, I think a lot of it, a lot of my, I don't know if you want to use the word discontent or a lot of my, uh, neutrality, I guess, towards uh, the second one was because of how much I loved the first one. I saw it maybe three times in the theater. I think when it came out Mm. and then just seeing being so, amped up for it and loving even loving gals performance in joss wheaton's version of justice league later that year just wanting to see more of this character 
Mm-hmm. And it just keeps getting delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and yeah. for it to not have that not have the not quite hit the bar at the first one set like oh well I don't know what I think about this but like I said now after multiple viewings really my only nitpick with the film is the same one I've had since my first viewing and I think it's Linda Carter's cameo is too predictable yeah that's really my only nitpick about the film is like okay here's this big important character we're talking about all of a sudden we can't see her face hey isn't linda carter in this movie Mm -hmm. yeah that that was that that element kind of took it away well i i should i i should phrase if you follow productions of these films like we tend to do, mm. you knew you knew ahead of time before the film came out that Linda Carter was supposed to be in it. Mm. So sorry to interrupt. I wanted to <laughs> put that I want to put that asterisk on the point because not everybody knew that she was going to be in the film ahead of time. Some people don't follow films like we do, so I want to put that make that point clear. Some of us follow the films we're passionate or excited for closely, so we know some of these things before they happen mm-hmm. so much like I knew Linda Carter was in this film before it came out. So when that scene came up, we're dying in the middle of the film with Diana's talking about Artemis Artemis, right? No. Um, um, oh, uh, we go with an a hysteria. No, no. Uh, oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I can't remember. Uh, Oh my goodness! I shame on us for not knowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm looking through my notes right now. Uh, I wrote it down somewhere. But yeah, the, giving giving that that sort of like history lesson and and things like that sort of backstory, and then how they they brought it together, and it's like the okay the I kind of. The, the pieces could easily be put together as to who it was, um, who was supposed to be this, yeah. this character. It was Asteria. Asteria. I did get it. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, it was. And then like the the sort of thing at the end too. It was very much predictable. But you know, uh, I mean, does it does it really take um, for me, it doesn't really take much away. It it is it is a nitpick, but it, it still doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the film at all. I mean, maybe it could have been done maybe a little bit better, um, in some different way, but eh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, is there before we wrap it up? Is there any other films that you've also like? You just want to touch on briefly? That you've been trying to give a second chance to? Um, I'm sure there. I'm sure there are. <laughs> <laughs> knowing, knowing me. <laughs> um, but there really aren't off the top of my head at the moment. Um, yeah, no. 
I, I can't think of any off the top of my head that um, that I've even recently like, tried to give a second chance to or anything like that. So, yeah, I think the, those three that I that I chose um, were the main ones that, um, you know, were the, 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 the big ones that, that I immediately thought of. But for anything else, no, I think that's about it. Was, was there any for you? Um, at the time of this recording, I'm trying to give a, another chance to the uh, 2003 remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It came out from Platinum Dunes. It stars uh, Jessica Biel. Um, I remember seeing it in college back in 03 when it came out and just not being that impressed by it. Mm. Um, but this is one that like, kick-started the whole major horror franchise remakes and then all of a sudden came Friday the 13th Nightmare on Elm Street all those franchises started getting remade and um, and Halloween and now Child's Play I don't know why I didn't like it so I think I'm pretty sure yeah, I had seen the original by that point and I just love the grittiness of the original mm-hmm. but now I'm on my rewatch of it now and I'm I can see why people like it. I like some of the things that they're doing to it. They did to it, like change the family. The family aspect is cool. I still like, I still like the Sawyers just being the three brothers with a Leatherface and a Hitchhiker, and then Drayden, and then Grandpa. Mm-hmm. But expanded the family a little bit. I enjoy that. And um, but I guess the only thing I'm not liking right now. With my rewatch is how the main characters, they don't make them like, now you're just looking at your watch. Okay, when's Leatherface going to show up and kill these people? Mm. So it's it's kind of lacking that tension that you, you get from the other one? Well, not lacking the tension, but I don't care like, about the, I don't care about the characters as much because they're like, they're determined dicks like they're okay it's like when you like when you watch a remake of friday the 13th mm. like the preppy guy all them like they're just being assholes to people for no reason like okay when's jason gonna show up and kill these guys mm-hmm. well when you watch like you watch the original film like you watch the original text chance of massacre you care about the people in that van or mm. when you watch uh the original nightmare numps you care about nancy and glenn and tina and uh, Rod, or when you watch even the original Friday the 13th, you care about Alice, uh, you care about Ginny in the second one, like characters you genuinely care about. And this one, all they really said was you really care about Jessica Beale's character because they, they turned her boyfriend and the other two guys in the vehicle with them at into assholes, they only care about themselves, and mm-hmm. Okay, so when's Leatherface showing up again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's kind of sad when you don't have that same, you know, you, you see, a, like, a remake and it's sort of, you know, maybe sort of slapped together and you just know that it's it's definitely not the same film. Like, they're trying to tell retell the story, but, you know, when they're, they're changing characters like that, it's like you, you know... 
you, you just want those characters to just die by the hand of Leatherface. Like, you just, you know, or or whoever character, right? Like, okay, when when are they showing up? Because I want to just see them go away now because I don't care about them anyway. You know, so it's, it's, it's sad when they do that. But then it just, you know, it, it highlights how the, you know, the original film is and how good it is, right? So... And I, I could see why people like this remake or why it, it would be people's favorite remake of all the, the big remakes that have come out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So I think, I think we've reached, reached the end of our, our really interesting conversation of the films that we've, you know, given a, given, you know, first watch didn't really like, but upon second viewing, um, really, really enjoyed because we appreciated it a little bit more. We enjoyed the characters a little bit more. We, you know, realized, you know, that the story is being told is is really good. And and like I kind of said initially, that we just had a little bit more appreciation for the film as as a whole. And maybe we we're just in the right mindset of it. I don't know, but I think, um, you know, we definitely love these films a a lot more now than than we might have then um so just to reiterate um our movie choices um i'll start with jared's uh his picks was rob zombies halloween 2 um tim burton's ed wood and then wonder woman 1984 and my picks were um an american werewolf in london star wars a new hope and ghostbusters from 2016 Awesome. So uh, be sure to pay attention to our social media for our next episode coming up where we're going to have a new guest, uh, Mr. Tim Rooney of Anything Goes and Please Rewind. Um, So to keep up with us there, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Nerd Nations Podcast. And we also have an email address where you can get a hold of us at nerdnightandnationspodcast at gmail.com. So, Melissa, where can the listeners cram us into their earballs? Well, they can they can do just that on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and most recently, iHeartRadio. Awesome, awesome. And where can the listeners keep up with you individually if they choose to? Um, yeah, if they want to keep up with me individually um, on social media, you can find me on Instagram at MissMelissaN25. It's all one word, lowercase, nothing fancy. Um, and then also, if you're interested in art, drawing, anything like that, I have a specific page called Scribbles of a Wannabe Drawer. And on there, I post all my latest drawings and things that I do. And where can they find you, Jared? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at QCA underscore Mista underscore J. Um, mostly just pictures of my cats because that's what the internet is for, right? Um, and you can also find both most of myself most recently on Superhero Stress where we were invited on to talk about separate chapters of Zack Snyder's Justice League. So special thanks to our friend Philip Barker for inviting us kind to do that once again. And uh, we will be having Philip on the show again here in the near future. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. So, uh, as always, we always want to remind you that it's still scary out there. Uh, 
be kind to one another, and more importantly, be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. See you next time. The thoughts and opinions expressed by your ambassadors and their guests are theirs and theirs alone. And do not represent the companies they happen to work for. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.